You know when you have those songs that just run around in your head? They're known as earworms. That's been running around in my head all morning, so I thought I'd play it. Right, good morning, it's Richard Bozan here until midday today here on Radio Bath. Laura, Scott, you're back. Oh, come closer to the microphone. Thank you for having me back. That's okay. Thank you for coming back onto Radio Bath. I listen to a podcast and they always start off. It's one of my favourite podcasts called Tailenders. And they say, welcome to Tailenders. And one of the other hosts always says, thank you for having me on Tailenders. So I'm kind of doing a homage to that. I see. So there we go. You're looking very well today. (laughs) Thank you. And what a beautiful sunny day we have out there. Just the perfect day for talking about gardening. (laughs) Although it does look like it may have... Oh, yeah. Eased off from the rain. We're looking out the window here, and I think it's stopped raining. Yeah. Update on weather report here on Radio (laughs) Bath. (laughs) So we're going to talk about gardening today. So if anybody has any questions, studioradiobath.com if you want to email, or you can text Bath, followed by your message to 80011, or message me on Facebook. My name's Richard Beauvoisin. Very easy to spell. Just starts with the same spelling as beautiful. Ah, isn't that nice? Um, So we're going to start off talking about my favorite topic which is lawns yeah so yeah my lawn is a very british thing yeah my lawn is just a little bit too boggy to mow at the moment i think everybody's is it's um it's one of those uh, well actually this time last year we didn't have this problem but yeah all the wet is obviously causing problems or delaying being able to to do too much um, September, October would be a good time to start your uh, lawn preparation for winter. Okay. In what um, way? In what way? So, um, after the hot weather in the summer, uh, you'll probably find that you've got a lot of dead grass or brown grass in your lawn. So, it's always good to, if you can, um, scarify and aerate the lawn uh, in autumn and give it an autumn feed so that it's strong enough to withstand the winter conditions. Um, So you can scarify the lawn, basically. You don't have to have a machine. If you've got a small lawn, you can just use um, a grass rake. So what is scarifying? So scarifying is basically, if you were, like, scratching your head, it's basically scratching the surface of the turf to get out all of the thatch, all of the dead grass and debris that's in the lawn. So once you've done that, you can then aerate the lawn. Um, and again, if you haven't got a machine, although you can buy these little little machines now that have got both a rake and an aerator blade oh. on them. Um, Do you know what? I'm, I'm scaringly quite excited by that. <laughs> <laughs> in yeah, the weird little yeah, world that I live sadly, in. Sadly, you and me both. <laughs> so where do you get these machines from, Laura? Oh, any reputable outlets such okay. as Screwfix, Toolstation, B&Q, uh, even Argos, places like well, that, okay. Amazon, blah, blah, blah. So a scarifier stroke aerator, aerator. combined machine. Combined, yes. Oh, quite so excited. there's uh, just a bolt that you take off and you can swap the, the different um, blades over. Uh, and you can obviously get electric or you can get battery ones now. They tend to be a bit more expensive at the moment. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so scarification and aeration of the lawn. If you don't want to go to the sort of sixty, seventy pounds of buying a, a electric machine, like I said, grass rake and garden fork. So fork over the garden to uh, about. 10 12 centimeters if you can get your fork in that far obviously a lot of new builds possibly don't have no. uh, much topsoil but just aerating the lawn um allow and obviously scarifying allows airflow and then obviously the better condition of your your the grass from the grass root i was looking up the uh, um the lawn You're scarifier and everything i'm genuinely exactly. looking up yeah I'm, i've gone to uh, that amazon type place yeah and uh, yeah they look quite cool. Yeah. Uh, my only issue is going to be storage, of course. But, yeah, um, yeah. That will be on the uh, Christmas list to Zoe, then. <laughs> <laughs> That's the level of marriage, isn't it? When your Christmas present to each other is an orator. Yes. <laughs> you know it's true love. <laughs> You've gone away from flowers and chocolates and, yep. you, and you get a garden tool. <laughs> yeah, you do. As long as it's not pots and pans. <laughs> I do the cooking anyway, so it'd be me that gets the uh, pots and gets pans. Gets the pots and pans. Uh, anyway, yeah. back to the script. So back to lawns. So back to lawns. Uh, <laughs> right. So obviously, after you've scarified and aerated a lawn, um, it's always good to give it an autumn feed. Um, now, an autumn feed will be higher. Uh, so you have the NPK on the back of any feed, which is your nitrogen, 
phosphorus and potassium okay nitrogen is what makes your lawn grow and grow tall and lush you don't want that going into the winter so you want a feed that's higher in potassium and um, phosphorus which is for root development and that will basically make sure that you've got um, a good condition of the grass a stronger grass going into the winter so if we have an episode like we had last December where we had that prolonged frozen conditions Mm. um, coming out of that it'll withstand those conditions better. Now let's talk about frozen grass very quickly Yeah. okay so you know we have when the grass got snow on it everybody walks on it which I'm guessing is okay because you're going to build your snowmen and all of that type of stuff or snow yep. person i should say these yep. days um what about walking on frozen grass is it bad for the grass it is yes i mean i tend to try not to walk on grass when it's got snow on it although sometimes it's a bit counterintuitive because you think oh snow everything's frozen but the snow can actually insulate from the freezing conditions but yeah if you walk on frozen grass you will get as you people have probably already seen you get the footprints yeah which you sort of think oh well you know but it's coming out of the winter then that you then start to see the brown patches because what's happened is when you've walked on that grass it's crushed the grass blade which is frozen and hasn't got as much elasticity uh and it damages the cells of the blade of grass so it will go brown and die off i'm guessing almost like snaps it yes wow yeah snapped grass snapped grass there you go um but obviously come the spring if you do have that situation you can patch repair if need be now we're getting to the point where i'm guessing most people are doing their final cuts of the year yes okay obviously you can't at the moment because as we've discussed it's a little bit rainy out there at the moment okay we're at the beginning of november but it's still quite mild so grass is still growing grass is still growing yes um i mean i before this week i was still cutting um and i have got clients booked in for next week if we do get some drier conditions um, but the idea now is to raise the blade on your mower. Ah, I was I was going to ask that question because yeah. I am the classic person that I like cut my it lawn really short, short. Get it down. <laughs> yeah. And no, not in the winter. Okay. The, the more uh, the, the taller it is in the winter, it's got more because uh, obviously we've got less light levels. Mm. The grass still needs to photosynthesize. Um, and that's how it gets its energies and its sugars. So if you cut it really short in the winter, it's got nothing to to be able to, in the, the, the light that we do get, it can't photosynthesize and it will weaken it. And, and would that help with moss? Because we have quite a few dark, shady areas in our garden. Yeah. We suffer with quite a lot of moss in those areas. Yeah. Um, so you can get a moss remover, which is a granular feed, which years ago you used to have to put the moss remover on and then the laborious task of having to rake it all out these days you can get a sort of an organic product which will blacken the moss and it will actually turn it into a feed oh wow that will then obviously improve the soil condition as well so yeah it, there's there's good ways now of, of getting rid of the moss that you're not having to be out there raking back breaking work <laughs> i have to say that's why i haven't done the moss in the last two years because yeah. i i literally did that so we had massive areas of yeah. moss by our pond well, you often end up with a patch with nothing at all yeah which yeah. i then reseeded i've reseeded the end of my garden yeah. about three or four times which at the moment it's it's holding on which is quite nice Excellent. but yeah that principle of having to rake the moss out yeah was just horrific yeah. so there's now a product you're saying that you can it's an organic product we're very keen yeah. on that as well yeah that you put it down it kills the moss feeds the grass yes okay what is that product i need to know oh gosh there's, there's various ones on the market okay. now everyone's trying to sort of go organic and be a bit greener and obviously not use chemicals not use pesticides so most products now in the garden centers will be um it they will be so i'm trying to think of the organic word. no no um it's it's natural the natural sense of it basically breaking down the moss okay and then the moss almost becoming like how you compost Hmm. and then that obviously then feeds back into the soil okay so yes it's i mean 
Oh gosh, I, I wouldn't even like to mention names. No, but that's yeah, okay. Take a little trip to the garden centre. I, I will do. Um, have a cup of coffee in the cafe and look at all the uh, the lawn care products. But yeah, there is moss remover out there now that will also feed the lawn. Do you so. know what? You've just changed my life. <laughs> so it's worth me coming into the radio station today just purely for this one conversation. <laughs> for those that weren't, didn't listen to Laura, so Laura's going to come in four times a year. So we're going to have a literally seasonal gardening updates so if you have any questions of course it's studio at radiobath.com and mm. when we came in last time we discussed the fact that my expertise ends at the end of the lawn so this section for me i'm i'm all in okay. i really am and genuinely you've just changed my life by not having yep. to rake the moss anymore well i might do it again it. now then because oh, you just mentioned on. about seeding your lawn <laughs> i'm super excited in- uh, shady areas. Yeah. So I have that situation as well now. Um, I think I mentioned in the last session that um, I put a new lawn down in my back garden, and one end of the garden is always in sun and it gets a lot of breeze, a lot of air, so it's it's sort of always in very good condition. The bottom end of the garden nearer the house is quite shaded, and what with all the rain we've had, I've got runoff from from the field behind me, and it's really quite boggy. And I couldn't understand why it's getting a bit patchy. And having done some (laughs) really exciting research (laughs) into lawn seed. Okay. So uh, I've decided that I have quite a high percentage of perennial ryegrass in my lawn, which is great. It's really quick to establish, um, quite green and quite lush. But when you sow a perennial ryegrass seed, it's one seed one blade Mm. not very good in sort of shady areas damp shady areas Uh, there's other types of grass out there which is fescues and bents um, which will withstand those types of conditions better but when you sow a fescue or a bent grass one seed will create uh, sort of lots of blades because it will create like a stolen so uh, the root growth under the soil will travel and send up new little shoots so you get a denser lawn so that is the way to go with regards to a shady wetter lawn we are going to have a further chat off air about all of this laura we really are now last bit about lawns i have the scenario got quite a few trees in my garden and the leaves are now starting to fall how do i cope with that right you definitely need to pick up your your leaves off of your lawn um so rake rake them all up and if you can although you were saying space is possibly an issue keep your leaves okay they are garden gold because when they rot down, they make the most amazing leaf mould, which is fantastic for all your other plants. If you can't, haven't got anywhere, like if you have a spare compost bin, you can put them into black bags, punch holes in the bottom of the black bags. Make sure they're a bit damp before you put them in. Or even better, mow them up. Right. So when they're on the lawn, if you rake them into a pile, you can then go over it with the mower. The mower will chop them up and they've already then started their composting rather than being in their full form uh, and you can then put them either into the compost bin or into black bags or hessian sacks um, or if you haven't got space to do any of that or anywhere to keep it um, just keep keep it as a pile behind a tree and we'll go on to the reasons why in another segment we will do um, but yeah it will be beca- it will mulch down quicker and it will then feed your borders and leaf mold is just yeah it's fantastic so the leaves are not a problem we can use them for other things you can, yes. amazing yes. can i have a little break for the adverts back after this with laura if you have any questions of course studio at radio we've got quite a few questions already coming in laura just to let you know prepare yourself for mm. these okay back after this <laughs> Love that track. Viva la vida by Coldplay. It's Richard Boverson here until midday today, of course. As we've got a question for Laura. So Laura's here. Do you know, I thought the song was ending and it's still still going on in the background. It's quite nice. You've just talked over the end of the song. I know. It's like, well, you can talk over the end of a song. I don't mind that, but yeah. So we've been asking for questions we had a question come in from sarah so she says what's the best thing to do with geraniums over the winter okay so 
depending on what type of geranium she's talking about, because you can get two sorts. You've mm-hmm. got the pelagonium sort, which is your uh, more traditional sort of bedding geranium um, from Greece and the Mediterranean. Uh, and you've also got a hardy geranium, which is more of a border perennial. So with the bedding type of geranium, um, be it trailing ivy leaf, um, they are unlikely to uh, survive the winter outside. So if you have got a favourite one that you don't want to lose, um, you can take them out of your pots and hanging baskets at this time of year, um, cut uh, the foliage off, leave about 10 centimetres, um, and then pop them up and put them in your greenhouse or your shed um, to overwinter, basically, and providing it's not a really sort of... If you can have a heated greenhouse or um, maybe put some bubble wrap around them, um, you might get a high chance of them surviving. Um, I tried this last year, but obviously we had that really bad December Mm. um, and my greenhouse wasn't heated. So I did actually end up losing them. They rotted off. Um, But yeah, a bit like sort of dahlia tubers as well. Now's the time to be lifting those. Um, Make sure you can sort of get a fair amount of the soil off um, and pop them up into a bit of fresh compost. Um, And yeah, just try and overwinter them. Um, No guarantee that they will survive, but it's worth the try but keep them warm is the key part yes really. yeah and dry um they they can withstand the cold it's the wet cold that okay. they won't like sounds yeah. a bit like me really yeah yeah i, I don't <laughs> the, mind the cold. damp and horrible yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the other form uh hardy geranium um as they say they're, they're hardy um so they will survive the winter and it's a herbaceous perennial so the top growth will die off um they go dormant over the winter uh so you can just cut all of the foliage off um if it's very untidy at the moment you can cut it off now um but as i like to sort of try and garden organically or try i do garden organically and for wildlife i always leave everything standing at this time of year unless it's flopped over there's no reason to cut it back so it stays until spring end of february then i cut it back but a hardy geranium in your border um and examples of that would be a geranium roseanne um or uh and folkland um anything that's sort of got the the saucer like flowers on it and sort of trailing foliage yes they will be absolutely fine in the garden over winter cool now we're going to talk about pruning now, are we talking about chopping down hedges and trees and stuff here? Is that what um, pruning not is? Chopping down, but as in maintaining, maintaining um, for form and structure. Uh, well, obviously, you've got um, the RHS sort of endorse a, a way of pruning, which is your three Ds: so your dead, diseased, and damaged. So, if you've got any, um, if you're looking at your tree or your shrub, and you've got um, either of those then cut that out first before you start getting into your sort of um, formative or maintenance pruning um, obviously hedges were sort of coming to the end of hedge cutting season hmm. uh, obviously your um, beech hedges they will retain their leaves over winter so you if you, you know, still need to do a bit of um, pruning on those um, but what I tend to be pruning at this time of year are things like buddleia and roses that are susceptible to a wind rock because it's quite shallow rooted and if we get like they're predicting today the strong winds um, I tend to take at least a third or maybe half of the height um, of those plants off just so that they they don't get that you know beating in the wind um and then come next spring i then go down a bit lower to make sure that they've got their open vase like structure amazing now we've got two trees in our garden i I keep bringing this back to my own garden but i'm sure other people have similar trees okay (laughs) so we have our apple tree our little crab apple tree which drives me insane every year because apples fall off it and it gets in the lawnmower Mm -hmm. okay but it's grown really tall now okay is now the time to cut that back and how much can i cut it back and i'm again quite excited by this thought process cutting it back yeah yeah 
So November to early March is the sort of traditional time or the ideal time um, for cutting back fruit trees. Um, any deciduous trees, you normally wait until they're dormant um, and the leaves start to fall. And as I was saying on the way in, that we haven't had a, a frost yet, so um, the trees are still retaining a lot of their leaves. Um, but yeah, fruit trees, apples, pears, quince, crab apples, that's sort of any time from now to the end of February is when I would recommend um, okay. pruning for those. Yeah. I suppose the difficult part that I would have at the moment is that I would naturally get on my step ladder to yeah. try and get up a little and bit higher. Sink in the lawn. And yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd start off at a certain and height. And you'd get lower and lower. Yeah. <laughs> and then slowly sink. So I probably won't be doing it just yet. No. no. Just yet. Um, we've also got the, the tree out the front of ours, which flowers in the spring. I can't think what it's called It'll now. It'll be a cherry. It's a cherry a blossom. Royal, royal burgundy, I believe, when I looked at Is it, it the other day. Yeah. I'm yeah. glad you're so. here. <laughs> <laughs> right. So with the exception of stone fruits, okay. you should not prune stone fruits. Uh, so you're... Cherries, your plums, green gauges, um, peaches, apricots, that sort of thing. You shouldn't prune those in the winter because they are susceptible to a fungal disease called silverleaf. So they are best left until June or July. Okay. And what about the... It's a cherry blossom tree that we have out yeah, the front. Yeah, so it's still in the prunus family. So, yeah, again, June, July. So I can't cut it back because it, it's sprouting right at the top. It looks... Looks like home. Uh, looks if like I March was advising, as as your, um, if you were a client, I would say no. Um, but obviously, it, it's your garden. It's your tree. It is. Yeah. And if it, I mean, if it's become an obstruction, then you know you have to do what you have to do. I suppose I look at it each year, and so when we first moved into the house, it used to blossom massively. And over the years, it's become less and less. I yeah. think it's got more and more scraggly. Is yes. that quite normal? Uh, again, probably because it's not been pruned or At not the right been time. pruned correctly. Um, so a good um, regeneration prune uh, would probably do it the world of good. Um, what is a regeneration prune? So that's if you have a shrub or a tree that has become very or outgrown its space um, or become very woody with dead disease damage yeah. material inside that would be an ideal sort of opportunity to get in there cut out all the dead and give it a prune it hard so that you can give it a, a, a good skeleton so to speak if you imagine it without any leaves on um you could almost saying that i if you have got dead, diseased and damaged material in it in the winter, I would cut that out. Uh, let's, let's say we have that then. Yeah, okay. But with regards to the live, healthy branches, um, I would try and leave those until next summer. Yes, of course I will. That's exactly what <laughs> That's I'm going to do. That's what you'll do. Um, but yeah, you can basically bring it down to... Uh, it depends how tall it is, how, how tall we're talking. You could sort it's of bring a third of it down. It's almost the height of the house, it feels. Right. It's got quite tall now. I might be exaggerating Yeah, a I think bit. that might be a slight yeah, exaggeration. Maybe up, to, maybe up to the roof. <laughs> the bedroom window, maybe. Yeah, maybe that high. <laughs> I, know, I know when, when Zoe, my wife, wants me to put the Christmas lights up on it, it feels like I'm going quite high. Okay. So, yeah, yeah it's yeah. definitely high enough. And I'd, I'm not saying I'd like the Christmas lights to be lower this year. But if it, it would be more helpful. It, it would be good. <laughs> uh, we can have an, another little break for music. Uh, when we're back, we'll be talking more about gardening with Laura. So we're back with Laura, just going to finish off pruning before the news, because we didn't get to a couple of bits, did we, Laura? No, no, no. we needed to talk a little bit more about roses, uh, and I forgot to mention fig trees. Ah, oh, outrageous. Now, roses, I always get scared, because I, I see my lovely wife Zoe, she goes out there and just chops a whole lot back, and I'm like, that's never growing back, and then magically it seems to. Yeah, roses are very hardy. Um there's obviously different types of roses you've got your climbing roses your shrub roses patio roses most of them will 
yeah, you don't have to have any skill, in theory, to prune the roses. Even I could do it, is that what you're you saying? You could, yes. Wow. I mean, the main key is really to cut above a node. Um, and a node is? A node <laughs> is where the the leaf joint. Okay. So, okay. Um, and to, like I said, this time of year, I would cut off about a third of, of the rose. And then February is my, my go-to time for roses. So in my diary, it's everybody that's got roses in their garden. Um, the more important thing, um, I would say, is also being uh, your, your hygiene with your roses. So unfortunately, they are susceptible to a fungal disease called black spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's very difficult to get rid of. Um, and even if you buy a new rose, it could then get black spot. Um, there's all sorts of things you can get at the garden centre, which they say prevent it. But realistically, it's, it's, it's a fungal disease. And if you've let leaves fall and rot into the soil it's basically maintaining those spores and then what happens in the spring is when it rains and the spores splash up from the soil back onto the rose and then it all starts all over again so um so through the summer if you have black spot on the leaves um try and pick off those leaves that have that are infected okay and then at this time of year if you can sort of get into the bottom of your your rose clear away all of the the dead leaves have fallen just so that they don't rot away into the soil through the winter um so yeah rose hygiene rose hygiene yeah. do you know what, i'm learning i'm learning so much here laura <laughs> genuinely i'm listening to you i'm going right, i could i could do that you could do that you i could can. do that i yeah. could become a gardener yeah. rather actually- than a lawnmower <laughs> I actually like pruning roses. It's quite therapeutic. Um, I mean, the key is to get a nice open framework um, so that you've uh, very much like pruning trees so that you've got airflow through them, that they're not too congested in the middle. Um, There is such a thing this time of year now... um, or September I found all my roses started to flower again which was lovely but then we go into October and we get the rains and then you get um, an issue called balling okay so that is where the bud has formed and it's about to open and you get a rain shower and it gets all wet and then the sun comes out and it dries it and the outside petals crisp up and it goes into like a ball and then where it's gone crispy it can't open so that's called balling um but yeah any flowers that have sort of gone over gone mildewy unless it's a particular rose that has uh, is sort of known for its amazing uh winter rose hips um i'd be sort of pruning all of those down Um, so roses at this time of year cut by a third and then come to february and then do down again yeah and that's when you can prune them into your sort of open vase-shaped framework for air circulation. Now, Laura's going to be here till midday. If you have any questions for her, it's studioradiobath.com or you can text BATH followed by your message to 80011 or you can message me on Facebook, of course. Please do message those in for any questions for Laura regarding gardening. Back after the news. I always used to remember being in the school discos and that was like one of the last songs to play and you're there standing on the other side of the room all the girls on one side all the boys on the other side and it's like ah oh, the song comes on and who walks across and gets oh. the other see that was a phil collins song in my day was it go on yeah. talk to me uh oh i can't remember the name of which one it was but there was a couple of uh, yeah oh the one the dairy milk advert song that's still making nothing no, to me yeah. so. see this is what my other half gets he gets is it, it? He, it's like a guessing game for him. <laughs> so phil collins. he's on trial all the time you know the one that you i know mean. that one yeah, yeah yeah the phil collins song that they put to the dairy milk advert with the gorilla playing playing the drums okay i'll, I'll google it you google it <laughs> so we'll, we'll find out what the answer to that is for those aren't aware it's richard bovson here until midday of course um, every Thursday, we've got Laura Scott in. She's a gardening expert. And not we're talking, a music expert. Not a music expert, <laughs> as we're finding out. 
<laughs> and uh, I believe you have a shout out as well, Laura, before we forget. I do, yes. I'd like to wish my dad a very happy birthday today. So, How young uh, is he today? Uh, I believe he's 75. 75. I may have got that wrong, but um, yeah. <laughs> I'm hoping it's 75. So happy birthday, Dad, and Aww. I'll see you later. If anybody else has any shout-outs, feel free. Studio at RadioBath.com or Bath, followed by your message to 80011 if you want to text in as well. And that's the same for any questions. We're here till midday. Steph's on after us, of course. Now, we're going to move on to planting. Now, I don't get to this time of the year and think magically about planting. So why would you plant at this time of year what would you why? plant yeah why? why would you plant so um autumn is a really good time for planting because the soil is still warm and obviously with the autumn rains it's moist so ideal conditions um same for sowing a new lawn or laying turfs um it's a great time for planting and that can be new trees shrubs perennials um so yeah it's it's just that's the ideal time spring and autumn are the sort of two key times for planting mainly because if you were to plant in the summer you've got to be out there constantly watering okay um but at this time of year you've got natural the natural environment to help with that situation there's a lot of water out there at the moment i mean i would say that at the moment it's probably a bit too wet to plant um and yeah once we get a bit of a break in the the weather um and as long as there's no frost so at the moment we've still got quite mild conditions um as where i would normally only plant up to the end of october but i'm sort of stretching that a bit now into november um but the later in the season that we get unless you're talking about bulbs oh go on let's talk about let's talk about bulbs so obviously it's bulb planting season anyone you've probably noticed them in in shops and garden centers from sort of september onwards um and you've got um your your daffodils your alliums tulips etc um most you can plant i mean i've planted (laughs) a bag of daffodils that i found even as late as december okay uh, and they've flowered the next year so yeah they're pretty resilient um with regards to tulips again there's yet another fungal disease out there (sighs) called tulip blight um which resides in the soil so the best time to plant a tulip bulb is as late as possible potentially when we've had the first frost because the frost will kill off the um the blight spores so yeah tulips you can leave as, as sort of late as end of november sort of december time and when the tulips and daffodils i mean it's quite a weird thing isn't it it used to be like spring was here and the daffodils would come up and it's almost like in midwinter now daffodils seem to come up yeah because we're getting milder conditions um i mean snowdrops are coming up early um you, you sort of your calendar i suppose is um sort of january february you've got your snowdrops coming up um and then you go into your the the daffodils you've got early flowering daffodils late flowering daffodils uh and then you've got um grape hyacinths so you don't know you're looking I have at no me. idea <laughs> I, this is this is as much education for me as it is for everybody else right. I think we, so, we need um, pictures don't we yeah but obviously that's no good for the viewers but doesn't anyway. work quite so well on the radio <laughs> no not quite so well I know what a daffodil looks like yeah uh, and obviously you know what a tulip looks I, like even I know what a tulip yeah. looks like in fact it's one of my favourite flowers a tulip yeah yeah, they are beautiful and I love the, the fact that because you can get the really strong stems and they're very upright and they can be wonderful in a formal garden uh, but yeah basically you can have colour from January all the way from a bulb all the way through to sort of May, June when you have the alliums that then come out And alliums are? So alliums are in the onion family Okay. Um, and their leaves don't smell great, they, you know, they're quite oniony but you can always chop the leaves off once the bulb starts um, sort of shooting uh, it's it's flower head um, so there's one quite a famous allium called purple sensation which is often uh, at all the sort of the Chelsea um, flower shows um, because it's just such an architectural plant Mm. and I tend to leave mine it's very tempting to when they go over in the summer to sort of pull them out Um, but again if they haven't fallen over I leave them because in the winter they give you the most magnificent seed head and when it's got frost uh, or cobwebs hanging from it, it yeah it, and you've got the sun shining on it it looks spectacular so now, now regarding is, regarding bulbs am i 
the most stupid person in the and that's some people do say i'm the most stupid person in the world i'm sure yeah. that's not the case <laughs> not quite. um in regards that they kind of come back every year do they, they? Do. they come yeah. back every yeah, year they're okay. perennial. sometimes especially with tulips it's not they don't always come back as strong um as they did the year before um but if you've done a pot display one year with um uh, miniature daffodils uh, and tulips you can always take say you want to refresh the pot and do something different they can always then go in the garden okay so don't don't bin them they will come back year after year just not as strong and the next stupid question that there is is uh, how far apart should you plant your bulbs then so how far apart <laughs> good question because so it wasn't stupid yay <laughs> not stupid because a hyacinth bulb for example you so you know the ones that you you know the ones <laughs> you can get hyacinth bulbs and daffodil bulbs which you can force okay um so there's a thing called forcing a bulb for christmas um and that's where you, if you go to a garden center you can often see displays of sort of in in pots for inside in ceramic bowls um and they've literally got hyacinths touching each other um, and half half buried in soil. So basically keeping that in the dark initially and then bringing it out into the light is called forcing, a bit like rhubarb, when you force rhubarb, and you can get it to flower in time for Christmas as opposed to if you had a hyacinth bulb planted in the garden outside, that probably wouldn't flower until about end of March, April. Right. So it's, it's bringing the, the, the flowering season forward. Okay. So. Uh, that all makes perfect sense to me. <laughs> now, what about trees and planting? Do yeah. You, would you plant a tree at this time of year? Yes, definitely. Um, again, sort of November to March um, is good sort of time... Um, for uh, planting trees and at this time of year if you're on a budget um, there's a thing called bare root and you can get bare root roses bare root hedging and bare root trees and shrubs right and what Um, what does that mean so that is basically where uh, you can order online or you can go to garden centers and nurseries at this time of year and pick up what is called bare root and it's where it's being dug up from a grower and because it's dormant so for example take um beech or hornbeam hedging it's deciduous so i had a conversation with a nurseryman the other day who said just waiting for a frost we need a frost and uh, i was like oh i'm assuming that's because it's coming up for bare root season and he said yeah you know until we've had a frost um the plants are still sort of thinking that it's it's not winter yet yeah um so yeah once we've had a frost and the the sugars are depleting in the leaves and they're turning color and they're falling that's when they can dig up hedging plants and trees and roses and they'll be sent out either mail order or in in the garden centers as bare root and they're often a lot cheaper uh than if you were to buy a potted which obviously takes a lot more time for the for the nurseries to to look after them because they've got to be watered they've got to be potted on um but yeah bare root is is brilliant at this time of year especially if you move into a new house and you want to plant a new hedge yeah. and you sort of think oh gosh you know you could be looking at 20 pounds for a, a sort of pretty substantial pot of say cherry laurel um but you can get that bare root um or beach hedging sorry hornbeam um or the native hedging you can plant a native hedge for wildlife now is a very good time so yeah get planting and of course the nursery at hilton is a morning show sponsor as well so you can go there for all of your nursery needs and they've got some lovely displays at the moment they're they're very good with their the create they've got somebody there i don't know who it is but they're very creative um and i take my hat off to them because i went there the other day and they've got some in the middle of the the center they've got some lovely displays um of sort of late flowering plants and it gives you ideas of what things you can put together because they've already sort of given you a few examples so yeah there's there's no better compliment than somebody that actually knows what they're talking about complimenting (laughs) one of their peers so uh, i'm sure if they're listening to it they'll uh, they'll very much respect that now (laughs) i am a man i will state that fact live on radio and i'm a man that likes to eat okay so what about planting stuff to eat oh right okay so yes um again uh, you can get bare root 
fruit fruit trees um raspberries um Oh gosh, anything really? Bare root, yeah. Just yeah. What, what sort of things were so, you thinking? Like of? mustard, spinach. Oh, all of that okay. Type of so stuff. if you planting as if you from sowing from seed. Yeah. Okay, right. So yes, at this time of year, um, obviously because of light levels and temperatures, there's not a huge amount of things you, that you can be sowing. But if you were, if you had a garden that was sort of purely for um, your own um, eating purposes, then yeah. Uh, winter salad leaves um, there's mizuna you can do mustard spinach radish cress all of those sorts of things they'll they'll be happy in especially if you've got a greenhouse unheated greenhouse you can be planting them uh in in the greenhouse and you can get the little greenhouses can't you the, the, yes, the miniature cold ones frames, yeah yeah i yeah. might, might i mean try. you can plant them outside right um but uh, and spring onions as well um but yeah you can if you have an unheated greenhouse it's you can plant them in there as well amazing okay. can I have another little break for music we had this request actually a couple of weeks ago and uh, due to a number of circumstances i couldn't play it so dot requested this track it's a very unusual track but uh, it's one of our favorites to dance to so uh, this is called soft and gentle and it's by the Polish Ambassador. It's Richard Bevelson here until midday with Laura Scott. We've got some things to tidy up, haven't we, Laura? We do, yes. Yeah, so first of all, what was the <laughs> Phil Collins track that you couldn't remember earlier? In the Air Tonight. In the Air Tonight. Very good. <laughs> okay, um, here we go. You're back. Okay, and how old is your dad? Oh, well, he'll always be young to me. He'll right. always be in his 50s to me, but actually he's 77. He's so 77. That, that was a big whoopsie. <laughs> Sorry about that, Dad. There's nothing like knowing how old your father is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're going to finish off um, our planting, aren't we? We are. Yes, I just wanted to uh, um, mention about broad beans and sweet peas at this time of year. Um, sweet peas are my favourite, um, so it's something that I, I do always do. Um, but you can do two sowings of sweet peas. Um, you can start some off now, um, and by doing that, you'll get flowers earlier in the season and then if you plant do some successional planting uh, and do some more another uh, batch in say january february then you'll have smaller plants that you can then bring on okay and they'll be flowering still through sort of august um hopefully into september amazing yeah Uh, and then the other thing with regards to planting um is moving plants so if you've got something in the garden that you have planted sort of maybe a couple of years ago and you've decided oh it's not quite in the right place um now is the time of year when you can dig it up uh and move it to a a different position um just make sure that you get a sort of a, a fairly decent root ball um on what you're digging up and that can be a tree it can be a shrub or it can be your herbaceous perennials And if you are moving herbaceous perennials um, and you've got some that have maybe um, got um, sort of expanded and got quite big um, and they could be split so you can get more plants for free. um, And that's um, a good example of that is the hardy geranium, um, irises. Um, Siberian irises uh, you can basically dig up the root ball um, or asters I did that yesterday actually with a, at a client dug up a huge clump of aster and split it into about five or six pieces ready to be sort of distributed around the garden it just means you can then have, have more plants for free rather than going and buying at the garden centre. And again, if you're on a budget, that's a great way to maintain your garden and develop yeah. it even more. Yeah. Yeah. Talking of maintenance, okay, so yes. I I call it my lightsaber, okay, so I'm on about my hedge trimmer. Oh, right, okay. okay? And I, I love my hedge trimmer. I'm just there, yeah. vroom, vroom, like that. And, mm-hmm. and my lovely wife, Zoe, she always says I'm a little bit harsh with it <laughs> and it kind of like just straight lines and I'm cutting too deep. Mm-hmm. Is there any advice you've got regarding kind of hedges and that type of thing at this time of year with my lightsaber? 
I mean, hedges are quite resilient. Obviously, you don't want to go back into sort of the main stem, um, but that is how you would sort of regenerate a hedge if something had got far too wide. Um, you would tend to do it in stages. So if you, you were saying, I think, in the last show, that your hedge on your drive starts to sort of intrude yeah. for, for getting the car on the drive. So you can... Uh, so in one season you can decide right okay I'm going to severely reduce it on one side and then the next season or the next year you would decide right I'm going to bring the height down now it's you don't want to do it all at the same time because you'll shock the plant and potentially kill it so yes you can take off all the the sort of smaller stems uh, with the hedge cutter and then get secateurs or loppers to sort of take back the the, sl- the woodier stems. Um, but, I mean, hedges are, are pretty hardy. So hmm. as long as you do it in stages, you can hard prune a hedge. Okay. Um, yeah, you just don't want to... And with a hedge cutter as well, you don't want to nick sort of the main stems because then you'll leave an open wound. Um, Sounds which, painful. Yes, which you could then get sort of disease... Um, in your plant in hedging plant then. the diseases are back yes the yeah. diseases are back what other maintenance should people be thinking about at this time of year then oh uh so yeah a lot of people think oh that's it now you know nothing to do in the garden but from a gardener's point of view it's, it's actually quite a busy uh season because i guess you can sort of think of it as prep more for the start of next year um, so me personally, um, I've got raspberries um, that have all gone over now, uh, autumn fruiting raspberries, so I would be cutting those down. Um, potentially blackberries, but um, if, you're, if you have got blackberries or raspberries and you've still got some fruits on there that might, you might not want to eat, just bear in mind there's possibly little creatures out there that would be more than happy to eat them. Yeah. So, you know, you can leave them standing for as long as possible. And when we're talking about little creatures, we're not talking about human beings here, are we? No, no not Just as in little people, <laughs> no. Uh, uh, birds, um, wood mice, um, yeah, they'll eat, you know, take the, the uh, gone over seeds, should we say. Um, uh, and you can be planting rhubarb this okay. time of year, um, sort of up to December, you can plant rhubarb. Um finished collecting any apples pears from the tree um pumpkins and squash obviously with halloween just gone uh main crop potatoes carrots beetroot anything sort of like that that's still on the plant um and obviously um you might need to be propping up sprouts this time of year that you might be growing ready for christmas i've I've often thought about propping up my sprouts (laughs) propping up your sprouts (laughs) um and then also this time of year if you have dahlias and cannas um some dahlias are still flowering again because it's so mild um although because it's been so wet i would be inclined this year to actually lift dahlia tubers um and put them away in a frost-free environment um in your garage or shed or greenhouse um just because they will rot off um and especially if after all this rain if we do get a really hard hard sort of um frost and and freezing conditions that will that will be the end of them yeah and the same with canners lift canners um and that's an opportunity to split them as well uh and then they can be stored um shake as much soil off of the dahlia tuber as you can just so there's nothing sort of moist and wet on there uh turn them upside down um and put them on newspaper um and yeah then they'll be ready ready for next year when you plant them again amazing now dot's listening okay she 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 loves her track and she's got a question for you laura okay so she says can you ask laura should we be feeding existing shrubs and trees now to see them through winter um i personally wouldn't be feeding anything now because most things are going dormant um and you don't want to feed it to promote growth that could then be uh, get frost damage um, so really I would be waiting until sort of February, March where you could then just give it a, a feed of fish blood and bone um, sprinkled onto the surface and just let the worms do, do their work by taking it into the soil. That's all I good. tend to do. Or chicken, uh, chicken manure pellets. That's another good organic um, fertiliser for spring. Lovely. 
there's nothing like thinking about chicken manure pellets. Chicken manure. Not pellets, pallets. No, pellets, pa- pellets not pellets. pallets. Yes. Pellets. <laughs> pallets would be a very big chicken, yeah. wouldn't it? But there we go. Yeah. Um, we're going to have another little break. But before with that, we're having a particular track by the Beatles. And today for me, I'm quite a Beatles fan. OK, so I, myself and my son, we love the Beatles. And uh, yeah, they've got their very final track coming out today at two o'clock. Unfortunately, we haven't got the rights to it yet. Another two and a half hours yet. Um, but it's going to be called Now and Then. It's the first one that and it's been 45 years in the making. It was the first written by John Lennon in 1978. And then it was finally completed last year. They've all appeared on it. So uh, in honour of that, I thought I'd play a little bit of the Beatles track for you now. So two o'clock today. It's the last ever Beatles track coming out. I'm kind of quite sad by that, but yeah. at least two of them are still alive. Sad, and I'm overexcited. I've got more to tell you about what <gasps> garden maintenance. Oh, tell me more <laughs> about garden maintenance, Laura. Oh, well, right. Okay, so we were just talking. Decking. Decking, yeah. Um, I've got so a, quite a big decking out the back of mine, and I'll be honest, at this time of year... It's very slippery. Yeah, it is. Mm, yeah. How do we sort that out? Yeah. Well, mm, mine's north-facing, so I get the same situation. At this time of year, I don't get any sun on it at all and uh, because obviously the sun's lower in the sky uh, the wind's not drying it out and it's a bit of an ice skating rink it is so um, I mean I tend to get out there with a stiff brush um, and try and brush some of the algae away but you can get obviously your decking cleaners um, which is more of a not a cleaner for the wood but just to get the algae off Mm -hmm. um, which I think from a safety point of view it's even though it's quite late in the year it's still worthwhile doing that um but I find my path as well up, up my garden is getting quite cause it's against my hedge which is in the shade yeah. um so I've got that same situation um so yeah the uh, the pressure washer really should have come out a month or so ago uh, and done that job but I know when it's been like really frosty and or really icy. I've actually got the uh, the salt from the B and Q or wherever it may have been, yeah. and chuck that on my yeah. Uh, yeah. on my decking yeah. as well. Yeah, or grit, I suppose, grit or some sand. Yeah, um, yeah, just anything to sort of get that bit of purchase, really, isn't it? Um, but also, <laughs> again, talking from experience, make sure you've got the uh, overflow on your your water butt <laughs> connected. Um, explain that more well on your downpipe you have the rain saver and you've got your the pipe that goes into the water butt and then you should have another outlet so that when the water butt's full it goes down the overflow okay either into a drain or onto the garden um otherwise it just just flows onto your decking and then you've got water on the decking and then that freezes (laughs) and then it becomes an ice ring yes is that what you're saying yes that's what i'm saying um and also if you've got lovely decorative pots um that you do each year uh if they're not frost resilient um either put them away uh again in a frost-free location shed or garage um or uh, wrap them with bubble wrap and sort of tie them around with string just to give them that extra protection as the amount of terracotta pots you see at the recycle center where they've sort of been left out in the winter um and from talking about things to bring in obviously um orange lemon trees um citrus fruit trees probably need to be brought in now when you say bring um, them in as in because the whole in, pot in. in. I was going to say, in my head, I've, I've got it planted in the ground, and now I'm digging right. up the whole tree. Well, if it's planted in the ground, that's a bit more difficult. But, more challenging. Um, yes. Uh, arm yourself with uh, horticultural fleece that you can put round it in the winter. Um, what so what is it? a horticultural Actually, it fleece? It survived last winter, did it, outside. I'm very surprised. What is a horticultural fleece? Well, Sorry, it's, I'm it's sounding like a, really like, little... like I've no idea what I'm talking about. And the reason for that is <laughs> I've no idea what I'm talking for about. Your, for your citrus trees. <laughs> okay, so you can get... So ju- you okay. can buy rolls of it at the, at the garden centres. Um, or, or hessian. 
um, that you can just put round the foliage to protect it, basically. In my head, I've now got a Christmas jumper over a tree. <laughs> That'll work. And your Christmas lights. <laughs> and my Christmas lights yeah. all over a tree. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's quite a nice image yeah. in the back of our garden. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people, so obviously tree ferns are very fashionable at the moment. Um, and they can be susceptible to our wet cold. It's not necessarily the cold, I think, in this country. It's the cold and the wet combined um, that things rot off um, so your leaves that you collect from the lawn if you happen to do that on a which dry I, day which I mowed up and I've put into my compost well, bin well if you don't mow them you yeah. could potentially use them as sort of a, a stuffing material so for you my should- Christmas jumper over my tree <laughs> might be a bit difficult on a citrus tree but for example a tree fern um, it needs covering in hessian um i don't if you people do watch gardeners world they often see monty um it, he will dig up a number of his um more tender uh, tropical plants and put them into his greenhouse but he has got um in a more sheltered area he's got a, a lovely tree fern which he wraps with hessian um uh, sort of bags around the trunk but then the leaves you would tie down but you could stuff the crown um, so the fronds you would tie down and you can stuff the crown with uh, leaves, fallen leaves that you've picked up from your lawn just to give it that protection. Okay. So, yeah. Uh-huh. Lots of things. And if anybody does have any questions, of course, it's studioradiobath.com. We've got about 20 minutes left of Laura. She's coming in four times a year. So I'm guessing next one is winter. Uh, no, be. it will be going into early spring. Oh, talking yeah. about early spring stuff yeah. my favourite so time of what, year. What will be emerging, uh, yeah. yeah, so it will be interesting. So anybody now who's planting their bulbs, oh yeah, yeah their alliums, <laughs> although the alliums strictly is more May, June, but yeah, like I said, if, if you plant bulbs, you can get, uh, even if you've got a window box, you could have colour all the way from sort of January, February through just by bulbs. Because I used to live in a house which had a massive front garden and there were certain times of the year where a lot of it was just brown because mm. there was nothing there. And yeah. then all of a sudden they got into gardening yeah. and then it was always had colour. Yeah. And as soon as one bit do- dropped off, another Something bit came, came in. Yeah. And I thought that was incredible planning, which yes, was way beyond my years. It's called successional planting. So successional there's always planting. something, as something's dying down, something else is coming up. And you can have, like I say, colour from January all the way through really to, I mean... My garden now, last year I tried to plant a lot of things that would give, extend the season and give autumn, early winter interest. And the the colours, so I've planted a couple of amelanchias, um, asters, which change, the leaves change colour as well. Um, I've got prunus trees, but I've got um, uh, Shibertella, Autumnalis, which goes a lovely Bless orange colour. Thank you. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, so it's I've got uh, stems, perennial stems standing, and I've got quite a lot of autumn colour, sort of oranges, yellows, purples, burgundies. Because um, well, there's even things in flower still. So yeah, I, I've, I'm quite pleased with how I've extended the season because I do like autumn. Yeah, I, I think it's a really lovely season. Now, lots of people have open gardens, don't they? Mm-hmm. I'm guessing your garden might must be pretty good. Have you ever opened your garden? <laughs> I can't believe I said that like that. Have you ever opened your garden for the public to view at all? I haven't. No, no. I mean, it, I guess I don't ever sort of credit myself as being good enough that anyone would even want to come and see it but from my point of view uh, I'd be more than happy if you know people did want to come and see it but I have the issue of parking because I'm on a main road I'm mm. sure people would walk miles oh, to come and see. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, we're going to come back in a few minutes and we're going to talk all about wildlife in the garden. Now we're playing that track largely because Laura here she used to have this track this during her school pet disco. Hate. Your pet, pet hate. hate song. Why was it your pet hate song? Oh, well, considering <laughs> I dance now. Yeah. <laughs> One of your students. Um, it was that horrible time 
you know, when you're very sort of influential at school and you're at the school disco and everyone's sat around the side and it's like, oh, do they like me? Do they not? And, yeah, so this came on as the last track and, um, yeah, everyone else got sort of asked up to dance and uh, I didn't. So I had to sit through. Well, as you said, this is a long track. And it's, it was a long track. It's a five-minute track. <laughs> and, and when you're 14, it felt like an hour. <laughs> and you are just sat there, literally. Sat there. By yeah. yourself. Yes, yeah. So, so it's aww. it's one of those songs that, uh, you know, things, re- when you're you're young, they stick, don't they? They and, do. And, uh, yes, I remember this song, and it was, I thought, I'm going to hate this song for the rest of my life. <laughs> and then you go requesting it. So. Well, you know. There you go. It's good drums in there. Good drums. And it was more about the dairy milk, actually. Okay, so you just like, (laughs) so now you're associated with chocolate. Yes. That's fair enough. We'll go for that. (laughs) Uh, Last little segment then. So Laura Scott's been here today. She's our gardening expert here on Radio Bath. And she's going to come in four times a year, once a season. Um, And we're going to talk about wildlife now, just to finish off. So talk to me about wildlife, Laura. Talk to me about wildlife. Right. Okay. Well, it's just really um, being aware and sort of thinking about what's outside our door whilst were tucked up warm in the winter in our houses um, and making little homes for creatures in the garden. Um, So we were talking about um, herbaceous perennials and how I leave them standing and there's a lot of plants that have sort of originated from other parts of the world um, and the uh, prairies in America, for example, um, that will survive in our gardens um, and have got the most architectural seed heads and, like I say, just look beautiful when they've got frost on them. And once they've sort of they've dried out and the, the petals have fallen off and you've got the seed heads, can also be beneficial to the birds. Um, I mean, I think everybody knows about teasels, obviously, are, are good for the goldfinches. Um, but I've sort of... I've when li- you say everybody knows about them, okay. so we're, we're going right. down the uh, I-know-nothing route <laughs> you know again. Nothing. What, okay, so what teasels... Is a, what is a teasel, first of all? <laughs> a, a teasel is a wildflower. Of course it is, yes. So of, of course in, I knew that. In the summer, it has um, sort of a, a pink, not a bottle brush, but um, sort of like an egg-shaped um, flower on it, uh, on a stiff stem, and then as the, the, the sort of pinky mauve petals fall off, it becomes sort of a spiky, spiky seed head. Um, okay. And as it dries, um, it's a good food source for goldfinches. Okay. So, yeah. Now, and there's ha- lots of plants like that. Sunflowers, they can okay. be left standing if you stake them so that they don't get sort of blown in the, in the, um, the winds. Or you can chop the seed heads off and put them, dry them and put them back out on the bird table. Okay. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's lots of things. But from an architectural point of view, um, I just wanted to sort of list a couple of of sort of examples of things Mm. that uh, I leave standing through the winter. Um, So echinacea, uh, that's a a prairie plant, and it's got, its it's common name is the coneflower. So it's got a very sort of stiff, bristly um, centre to it, and then quite big pink petals. Um, And there's lots of different varieties now where they've been cultivated, but they're really good for leaving um, for stiff stems and a lovely seed head um eryngium so sea holly uh, again the common name sea holly um that is a, a sort of spiky seed head again but it catches the frost um sedums are always really good for wild late wildlife uh hydrangeas so the new forms of hydrangea hydrangea paniculata and hydrangea annabelle arborescence they've both got um big sort of quite pom-pom or cone-like um seed heads and when they've dried they go like an antique rose color um and again they look really nice in the winter um alliums we've already mentioned leaving the seed heads for those um echinops uh they've they've sort of got a blue flower uh, and again the seed heads look really good uh, and then the most obvious thing is the grasses so there's so many different types of grasses that you can plant now for um, architectural interest so I'm about to do a garden uh, for someone who doesn't want shrubs so she's elderly she wants low maintenance um, she wants movement. She wants airy sort of um, movement in the garden. So we've 
decided that we're going to go for grasses um, and there's so many different species uh, so just to sort of plug a garden um, down in I believe it's Wimborne in Dorset there's a garden called Knoll Gardens K-N-O-L-L and it's renowned for all of its grass borders and autumn colour and that's definitely worth a visit if you're into gardening and and want to again extend the season so yeah grasses as well and there's another plant called Flomis which stands good during the winter so yeah lots of lots Lots of things yeah it's not so much necessarily about colour in the winter it's about form okay um, we've run out of time, Laura, scaringly. Okay. The time's flown by so quickly. Thank you so much for coming in today. You're yeah, going to come in, as I said, four times a year. If anybody yeah. does want to get into contact with you about gardening, of course, yep. how could they do that? Uh, they can contact me on via Facebook or Google. Um, so I'm on uh, Google as a business page. Obviously, my phone number and contact details are there. Or, obviously, I'm at dancing on a Monday. Am I allowed <laughs> every to plug Monday? that? Of course you are. Every Monday at Bradford Avon, half past seven. St. Margaret's <laughs> Hall. Um, Steph's up next. I'm back next week with the lovely Vince Bell. Not the one from Erasure, unfortunately. But he's coming in to do a live lounge. So really looking forward to that next Thursday between 10 and 12. And I'll see you next week. Just feel crazy